You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, um, as much as it pains me and uh, make... Oh, my goodness, change the intro. All right, collect ourselves now. As much as it breaks... My oh-so-large heart. Um, I'm going to have to give up the intro stuff um, as far as movie lines and whatnot. It just... I think it's illegal. <laughs> I, I'm, I know I'm not supposed to do it. Um, and with the football season coming up, there are some... I mean, I know there's already ads on the show, but um, these are just kind of piddly little things that are more a requirement than anything else. But actual advertisers that want to advertise specifically on my show, not just, you know, some general thing that I get from the hosting company, those are going to be coming around town starting, like, next week. And I don't want to have copyrighted content on, uh, you know, a show that I'm selling to advertisers. Because I feel like that's probably not good. So, it's sad, but I'll make a deal with you. If you ever... Have a, a lottery ticket, you know, one of the big ones where it's like, you know, the take-home pay is like $500 million after taxes, and you want to give that to me? You and I, man, we're, we're going to do all kinds of funny songs and great intros and all that stuff. No ads, just just a party all the time. That's, that's, that's the deal. And I'm talking $500 million and I get all of it, and you get... All the great content you want. <laughs> even trade. Even Steven. Um, so... Man, the last two days have been... Interesting. Not a good start to either day. Yesterday I got up and did a bunch of work. Made three YouTube videos. Hated all of them. Decided not to do any of them. And then it was then I had to be done doing work. Fortunately, I was able to squeak out one training camp video. So I feel kind of good about it, right? Like, all right, we reset... Live and learn. Kind of stinks because I was supposed to have YouTube content for the whole week, and now I have nothing, and there might not be any more videos unless I can find time, which I usually can't. The weekend is when I get stuff done. Then I wake up today, and there's like seven negative comments. It's like, come on, man. It's Monday morning. Granted, that's probably why they're so crabby, but dude, I don't know. YouTube is YouTube is weird. People complain about everything on YouTube. It's like YouTube is kind of like Twitter. It's just a place where people whine. The angriest people on planet Earth are on Twitter and YouTube. 
right? Podcast is all like, oh, you're doing great. Even people that don't even like the podcast, like, oh, you're doing great. I'm going to go over here, but you're, you're super. You're doing super. You know, five-star iTunes review. Hate the show, but, you know, I love that you have a passion. YouTube is like, you ever think about getting your face fixed? Because you're stupid. Great content, though. Like, <laughs> what? Thank you? I don't know. What is, what is, what is this? Whatever. I don't care. Keep watching. Pay my bills and say whatever stupid nonsense you want. I don't care. The good thing is, all I have to do is read the comment. I don't have to actually be that miserable person. So, I guess I shouldn't be that mad. I get to have a great day today. That guy's whole life has to suck. Imagine that. Imagine being that guy. So today, we're talking about training camp again. I know. I mean, it's, it's, I shouldn't say it's getting boring, because it's not. It's really interesting stuff. I'm getting a little tired of doing it, which, I don't know. It was like a week ago I was super excited about it. Now I'm 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 a spoiled child. That's the problem. You know what? You know what? Nobody asked your input. Stupid alarm clock. Why is everybody up so early? Man, it's the other thing about YouTube people. They are up early. I'm getting I'm still getting comments. Like right now. Like it's four o'clock in the morning. Are you still up or are you just getting up? I guess it's five in New York. I don't man. Go to bed. What are we talking about? Training camp. We're doing more training camp. So we got uh, two days. Yesterday was training camp, and I believe the day before. In fact, let's let's look at this right now. The schedule, as uh, people who don't know how to say the word say it. We've got training camp today at 10.30, tomorrow at 10.10. No practice on Wednesday. 10.30, we've got uh, another. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all practice again. And then Sunday... 8:30, not the time, the date. There is noon practice. After that, there's nothing. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they're just going dark after that, which is possible. Maybe they just go away and we go back into a short little dark period of no news, or the rest of the schedule hasn't come out. I'm hoping it's the second thing, because I don't want to go dark again, man. I, I just, I, I just please give me some football content. I can't go back. It's, it's, it would be like going back to, like a flip phone at this point. Not like the new ones that are smartphones. I'm talking about like a razor or something. I never had a razor, but you get what I'm saying. Once, once you, once you start, you can't go back. I mean, I, I, I lived in a world without the internet. I was fine until we got the internet. There's no going back. We can't go back to no football. I'm gonna cry, dude. Sorry. What are we doing? Um, doo doo. Uh, support the show in any way that you find necessary. That's sort of my catch-all when I can't think of how you can help it. YouTube, Facebook group, all that stuff. Links are in the description. Oh, very important thing. Thank you mucho mucho to Joshua Cordova for uh, the support on Venmo. Really appreciate that. Why don't we go ahead and take a break, and um, we'll talk about the last two days of training camp since we talked. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So, first of all, the offensive notes, there's been a lot of issues with fumbling the ball. And I'm not talking about the running backs. I'm talking about from the center to the quarterback. Yesterday, there was another botched snap, this time between Jake Hansen and Tim Boyle. That was the fourth one in two days. Now, it doesn't really matter because Jake Hansen and Tim Boyle really, to be honest, have nothing to do with this team at the end of the day. But that's that's ugly. Also, Matt LaFleur was getting mad at the defense because they kept jumping off sides. But anyways, as far as the quarterbacks go, it's kind of a lot of the same. Um, Aaron Rodgers looks good until he doesn't. There's about as many notes of Aaron Rodgers throwing absolute bomb, dime, 50-yard passes to Devontae as there are passes of, he was open, but Rodgers just missed him, which is kind of an important context. Number one, because it's, you know, it's reality, but also Jordan Love's kind of getting beat up because of what happened yesterday. It wasn't a very good day. Let me just read the notes for Jordan Love. Some of them were okay, but a lot of bad. Uh, Love ends his red zone with a touchdown to Lovett on an out. Jordan Love with a fumbled pitch to Dexter Williams, way off. Love overthrows Shep. Love just underthrew Malik Turner badly, had him open. So that was the notes. He missed two passes and missed a pitch, which is pretty ugly. And that sounds bad, and it looks really bad when you're a rookie and people see you throwing passes that are bad. I think yesterday he threw a, he had pressure right in his fa- face and launched the ball up in the air, which is a terrible decision, and it ended up obviously getting picked off. But I want to keep it in the context of Aaron Rodgers, one of the better quarterbacks in all of football, has overthrown or underthrown probably 10 times in camp so far. So I'm not overly concerned about Jordan Love missing two passes yesterday. It's not great, especially when we're talking about decision-making two days ago. You know, launching balls up into the air is terrible. And missing things like pitches is kind of ridiculous. And I will say, if Jordan Love was our week one starter, I would be petrified. But considering... This is a terrible year to try to start a new quarterback with the absolute lack of any kind of actual training. I mean, this is his, what, what is this? Yesterday was training camp number six. This is day six, like hour eight of being out there learning how to be a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, as far as Tim Boyle, he's still doing a fantastic job. He's starting to look a little bit more human, especially on Saturday. There were a couple bad notes, but for the most part, Tim Boyle has probably been the more consistent quarterback out of all three. Which really isn't that unusual, to be completely honest. I don't know if it was Tim Boyle. I don't think it was. I know Taysom Hill, when he was here, was the best quarterback of anybody. When he, was, I mean, that's 
especially in preseason. A lot of that has to do with Aaron Rodgers going up against the ones and Taysom and, and the rest of these guys going up against lesser competition. But I'm just saying it's it's common. Even in training camp, Aaron Rodgers is going up against the better defensive line, the better cornerbacks, everything else. But with that context in mind, Tim Boyle has been the most accurate, the most consistent quarterback so far. Um, running backs has been mostly all good with the exception of, and I, I think I've mentioned this already, uh, so there was actually no negative news, but A.J. Dillon struggling in pass pro on Saturday. They had him doing some solo pass pro work. Again, they're trying to get him caught up to speed real fast. So for A.J. Dillon, if he's doing solid as a receiver and decent enough as a running back right now, but he can't protect the quarterback, guess what he's going to be doing all day? Whatever it takes to get him on the field week one, that's what he's going to be doing. But you're seeing a lot of, uh, for example, Packers running backs finding space in the middle of the line, wide hole for Jamal Williams to run left side. Now we can get excited about it and say, yay, our offensive line is getting better and they're learning. But I think all of us in the back of our mind are thinking, shoot, man, are we still doing this? Are we still doing this whole, like, we can't stop the run thing? Because as much as I'm excited for the offensive line in the run game, when I'm thinking Zadarius, Preston, Rashawn, Kenny Clark, I kind of want them to be better than our offensive line at stopping the run than our offensive line is at running the ball. Not because Matt LaFleur doesn't demand it, and that's his whole thing. That's his entire thing is being a dominant running guy. I mean, quarterback technically is his thing, but I mean, that's the scheme, right? We're very good at running the football. It's just a natural consequence of what we do, but we're still dealing with offensive linemen that have never really been that good at it. David Bakhtiari is not a run-blocking offensive tackle. Corey Lindsley's a pass-protecting guy. Billy Turner is, I mean, he's whatever he is. I don't know. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll, because this training camp, we'll do the positive thing and just say the offensive line is getting it. They're going to run over everybody's face. It's awesome. But I am slightly concerned. Tyler Irvin has been consistent in everything. Good runs, good catches, the whole nine yards. He's just pretty much unstoppable. Again, probably I guess against somewhat lesser competition, but everybody's getting a little bit of a mix of everything. I mean, everybody's kind of playing with the ones, twos, and threes, getting it all mixed up. So Tyler Irvin has gone up against some pretty tough competition and won. Um, yesterday was a little bit more fun because there was some live tackling, at least for the young guy. I had mentioned before that the veterans weren't going to be participating because they didn't want him getting hurt. But after training camp was done, the young guys kind of hang back a little bit. And what they did is they started smacking into each other. So we saw a little bit of A.J. Dillon. Uh, a couple notes. We got our first demonstration of how hard it is to tackle A.J. Dillon, who drags a DB for five more yards. And then A.J. Dillon stiff-armed KB Ento for an extra eight yards off tackle. Now, he was getting blown up a little bit. Um, and I've, I've already said I, I hope that he continues to work on his technique because his power is only as good as his ability to run properly. And, you know, 245-pound guy running straight upright is just going to get his head ripped off. Whereas if, you know, he gets his weight behind him and his shoulders down, he's going to just destroy everybody. Wide receivers, um, it's been the Devontae Adams show. He goes out and just destroys everybody. They've been doing a lot of, of Kevin King versus Devontae, which is interesting to me. I suppose Jair has kind of been on the sidelines, so that might be a big part of it. But they're really getting Kevin King and Devontae some action. And the good news is it's kind of an, I don't want to say an even match, because Devontae wins more often than not. But the fact that they're sort of on the same level. In other words, it's not Devontae going up against a guy that should not be running with the one. You know, it's it's a relatively even match, and that's awesome. Um, other notes, Alan Lazard hits uh, our Devontae. Whatever our quarterback's name is, threw a touchdown to Lazard. On Saturday, MVS and EQ really went off. That Lazard thing was from yesterday. A couple notes from Saturday on, on those two guys. Uh, starting with MVS, Rodgers with a pinpoint throw to MVS over the middle right over the outstretched hands of Christian Kirksey. 
MVS with a gorgeous route and catch off a laser from Aaron Rodgers. That was pretty. That does it for practice. I don't need to keep reading that. Lafleur on MVS, quote, I've seen him stack two great practices back-to-back. I've been proud of his effort, but we're going to continue to challenge him. Unfortunately, I didn't see any notes yesterday, so that whole wanting to continue that didn't necessarily continue, or there just weren't a lot of notes. I don't know. Then for Equinemius on Saturday, EQ just disposed of Josh Jackson on a deep touchdown, which is a solid note for EQ because Josh Jackson's been tearing it up nonstop for about three, four days straight. Next note, fitting EQ speaking to media today, having a good practice, nice stop route and catch. Nice job by EQ beating beating Jackson on a quick out. Laser from Rodgers on the sideline. Packers wide receiver Equinemius St. Brown says he's been 100% since the middle of the season after missing all 2019 with a high ankle sprain. He said, quote, it's been my first major injury since I've been playing football my whole life in my first major surgery. And it says they, they kind of were talking about maybe him coming back midway through the season last year, but once he decided surgery, they just decided enough is enough. Uh, Kumaro's been pretty quiet. He did have a touchdown yesterday, nothing on Saturday. Begleton also, after a pretty hot start, has been kind of quiet, but he did have a touchdown from Rodgers. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong note. Outstanding rep from Begleton on one-on-one is, is all it says, which is is whatever it is. He beat somebody in one-on-ones. And then somebody that, you know, I don't really expect anything from, but his name keeps popping up on Saturday, Malik Turner. It says, Boyle to Malik Turner off play action. Ball was a little low, but very catchable. And then uh, Malik Turner here, two notes. This is from yesterday. Phenomenal sideline grab by Malik Turner and one-on-one sky to snag the ball and made sure it fell with feet in bounds. Next note says, Turner had looked like an NFL receiver through his first week or more of practice. Not sure his ceiling, but was a very savvy signing by Gutekunst. So, again, I, I don't think he has much of a shot outside of the practice squad. But, you know, still some positive notes, I guess. Um... Moving on to the tight ends, Jace Sternberger, a, a guy that we haven't heard much about. Hopefully start getting more notes on him, but on Saturday, uh, there was one note that he absolutely annihilated a defensive back on a run block. The note continues, I mean, that's what the tight end should do, but a good sign he's a willing blocker in addition to his ball skills. I've mentioned that he's a better blocker than he gets credit for. I know that's not really his thing. He's seen as a receiver that's a terrible blocker, but I, you know, at the very least, he's pretty scrappy, and on the few reps I saw him get in the regular season, I don't see him, didn't see him really do anything other than a good job. I'm not expecting him to be dominant, and the more snaps he gets, the more bad we're going to see, but I know when he came to Green Bay, he kind of had a chip on his shoulder about that and was pretty upset that that was the perception people had, and he really, really wanted to work on that. Um, a couple notes from yesterday. Jos- Josiah DeGuara has natural ability to angle leverage near the sideline like a box out from rebounder in basketball. Just turned his back against Darnell Savage in the end zone on a red zone rep. Shielding Aaron Rodgers' pass. Good coverage from the Packers' safety, but caught for a touchdown. DeGuara has just been phenomenal throughout this entire camp. And it's been a lot of notes like that. Not like he beat up on some nobody. It's He basically comes out there and he's beating all the starters. And then he's been asked about it and he's like, I don't know, it's just what you do, I guess. He just He just has a natural way about him. I mean, what he does isn't all that impressive. But what he does is what he's going to be asked to do, and he's a technician at those things. Again, he spent five years doing it in college. He knows how to do this already. He's very good at it. I don't know what his upside is, but Lafleur's going to say, hey, I need you to do this, and he's going to do it correctly. It's the reason I've been saying since we drafted him, basically, that I expect a good amount from him. Uh, Mercedes Lewis did meet with the media yesterday. Um, Had one note that kind of made me cringe a little bit, but it says, good Lewis quote by Ryan Wood's question on how he plays the position. Quote, I'm the last of a dying breed here. When I got here, you had Todd Heap, the Heath Millers, 
It's changed over time, but happy to have an offense that values what I do. The reason that made me cringe is because if we kind of rework that sentence, it's kind of like saying the NFL has moved on from tight ends like me, but the Packers, in the way that they decide that they're going to do offense, still utilizes things that the NFL doesn't really utilize anymore. So, I mean, it's fine, but <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of scary to hear that. And then Tanyan, who was kind of quiet, is started starting to get in on the action a little bit. Yesterday, Tanyan beats Green in one-on-ones, lets out a barbaric yelp, throwing the football straight up into the sky, so he's super excited about what he did. And then what a catch by Tanyan down the seam through traffic on third and five in two minutes. Tanyan has been pretty solid the last couple days. I know, what was it? I think the last update I did for you on Saturday was notes about him doing a good job and people saying he's going to be tight end one. I just, the odds of him beating out the two draft picks, Jay Sternberger and Josiah DeGuara, are so minimal to me. It would be a pretty bad sign if, if Jace is not the main guy or if DeGuara lost his job to Tanyan. It would just be pretty devastating. Um, as far as the offensive line, David Bakhtiari is, he's basically Devante. I mean, it's just, he's the ultimate test. I mean, nobody beats Bakhtiari. That's just the bottom line. I mean, the first, first play, shot play, Bakhtiari handles Gary. Next note says Bakhtiari, Bakhtiari is dominating out there. He gives up nothing. I mean, he just, he just sets the standard, man. You want to know how good a guy is. And this is how we should have known last year that Zadarius was going to be good because Bakhtiari could not handle Zadarius. Zadarius just whooped on Bakhtiari the whole camp. But, you know, you do that thing where it's like, well, it's training camp. It doesn't mean anything. Sometimes, though, it means something. (laughs) Um, Otherwise, Alex Light continues to be kind of up and down. He started off real rocky. Now it's kind of 50-50. Some reps, he's just dominating people. Some reps, he just gets embarrassed. So, unfortunately, when you're an offensive lineman, that's not what you want. You can get away with that when you're a wide receiver, playing terrible 75% of the time and then 25% of the time doing really awesome. I mean, that's kind of what you get from guys like Kumaro, and everybody loves you because you had two really good catches in a game, and everybody remembers those two, and one of them for a you know 40-yard touchdown, and everybody loves you and thinks you're the next coming of you know Donald Driver or something. Offensive line is the exact opposite. You can play perfectly for 80% of the game, and 20% of the game you're terrible, and you give up 19 pressures and 4 sacks. That's not a good day for an offensive lineman. You have to be perfect or everybody hates you. It's a different standard for for different positions. Same with, you know, cornerback. Jair can have a great game, give up two big passes down the sideline, or and everybody hates him. And rightly so, I'm just saying. It's a tough job. Uh, there was a note on Saturday about Elton Jenkins that was kind of cool. It says, Dean Lowry showing off his strength against Elton Jenkins, but Jenkins' anchor is so strong and his ability to reset is ridiculous. In other words, he initially got blown off the ball by Dean Lowry's power, but Elton Jenkins is able to recover and just stonewall him. Uh, Billy Turner had a couple good reps. I think he was better on Saturday than Sunday, which always makes me nervous. I guess I should be excited, not nervous, but I just got done talking a lot about how Billy Turner just is not as good as the Packers want to hype him up to be. And then he has follows that up with a great day. And then some pretty interesting news yesterday about John Runyon. Guy kind of comes out of nowhere. Haven't heard a ton about him. Heard a lot about Jake Hansen not doing a very good job. job. And Stepniak is uh, injured or whatever. He's not playing. And then all of a sudden, here comes John Runyon. Quote says, uh, John Runyon with a pancake of Delonte Scott, a guy that's been actually doing a decent job the last couple days. Runyon stuffs Lancaster. And then John Runyon has come as advertised, gritty dude, willing to get his hands dirty, had some nice showings in one-on-one. Now that, you know, I'm not going to vault him to starting guard just because he had a couple good reps, but it's nice to see him kind of come out of nowhere and and start handling his business. Uh, Lucas Patrick yesterday had his stuff on Kingsley Kiki, and uh, I guess that's it for the offense. 
For defense, I already mentioned the uh, too many offsides things. One of them, they were drawn offside by Matt LaFleur, which is just the ultimate. It's like doing your job wrong, and then there's doing your job wrong right in front of your boss. I mean, Matt LaFleur is going to see it anyways, but when he's the one that drew you offsides, you imagine jumping offsides and then looking up and there's your coach just scowling at you. That's not good. Uh, Kenny Clark's been doing pretty, you know, Kenny Clark type stuff. I can't really speak to what he's been doing in the run game necessarily because it sounds like it hasn't been good. However, yesterday there was at least one note. Kenny Clark stuffs Aaron Jones uh, on the inside, so he at least did it once. Uh, Saturday, Dean Lowry uh, says Dean Lowry with a nice run stop at the line. Need to see more of that this year. Again, similar situation with needing to be perfect. There are instances that are isolated, like Kenny Clark um, stopping a guy yesterday, Dean Lowry stopping a guy on Saturday. All that stuff. But, you know, if you're winning 50% of the time and the other 50% of the time they're just flying right through the line and you're not stopping anybody, it's not considered a draw. It's considered you got your face stomped in. So as Matt LaFleur says constantly in every single press conference, the problem isn't talent. The problem is consistency. I mean, that's my interpretation of what he's saying. That's not exactly, I don't think he's ever said those words. But consistency is the issue for just about everybody on this team. Jair. Great corner, needs to be more consistent. King, great corner, needs to be more consistent. Savage, real talented guy, need to see more consistency. Rashawn, does great in spurts, need to see more consistency. Kenny Clark, one of the best nose tackles in the football. But even the problem with him, as he said, he needs to be more consistent. The only guy that was really consistent all year, the two guys that come to mind, Aaron Jones and Zadaria Smith. Those are the only two guys I can think are, are and Devontae, I guess, showing up every week. Even Aaron Rodgers had games where I was like, what in the world are you doing? I think he had the worst game of his entire career sometime last year. Just, it's just, it's a problem with this team, and I don't really understand. I mean, everybody has up and down games, but to have so many people do so poorly in such random spots where it's like, you're so good, you shouldn't be this bad. And this often, right? It's one thing to have one bad day. It's another thing to be really good half the year, mediocre for about a quarter of the year, and then really terrible for a quarter of the year. That's not good. That's not acceptable. Anyways, um, mentioned last time how Kingsley Kiki kind of got called out by his coach, sort of. That's the way I'll phrase it, not exactly correct. But essentially, Jerry Montgomery, the defensive line coach, said, uh, year two, put up or shut up time. And on Saturday, we got some notes here. Kiki wins twice versus Runyon. Runyon gets some extra coaching. Kiki with a stop on, on Dylan. And the next note says, Kiki with another run stop on A.J. Dillon. Then yesterday, Kingsley Kiki beat Lucas Patrick clean on his first one-on-one rep. Patrick was better rep two. Patrick and Kiki get into a mini shoving match during one-on-one. Next note says, Kiki wins clean with his hands on rep two, but slips and falls to the ground. So after being called out by his coach, he has two really good back-to-back days for a guy that basically has had almost no notes throughout all of camp. Uh, Montrevious Adams was in a walking boot, just got out of his walking boot. The only thing I could think when I heard yesterday that he came out of his walking boot is this dude should not be out of his boot. I just, I could not shake the feeling that he's coming out prematurely. Because if that guy wears a boot throughout the rest of camp, I think he's done. If he doesn't see the field, I mean, if, if he's not going to be playing, why are we keeping him? This is his last year to prove that he can do something, which he has not yet done. I just, I have, because they were even saying he's not in a boot, but he's limping around. And all I could think was, dude, put the boot on. Just, just put it back on. But anyways, he's hurt. And then uh, yesterday we had a note from somebody that we haven't heard about at all so far, Willington Pavilion. Three notes. Jake Hansen with some struggles versus Willington Pavilion. Willington Pavilion with a win versus Elton Jenkins, which is really impressive. Says that'll get a UDFA notice. 
And then Willington Pavilion with another strong play as he bursts through for a would-be sack. The offensive line is having a really tough time protecting Love right now. So we're talking about third string in that situation. But still, he beat Elton Jenkins and uh, Jake Hansen, who was a sixth-round pick. Um, off the edge, Zedarius is still sidelined right now. Nothing serious, just overly cautious, you know. Any of these starters get so much as a hangnail, and they're out until that thing gets better. Uh, Preston's been getting some attention the last couple days. couple notes from Saturday. Bootleg against Bootlegs against Preston Smith are pure folly. True last year, true right now. He just sniffs it out, blows it up. Next note from Saturday, Preston with an obvious sack on Aaron Rodgers on a rollout. And then from yesterday, Preston Smith had two wins early. That's actually kind of big because I'm... As I've said, I'm expecting some regression from Preston, especially in terms of his ability to get sacks. I mean, that's almost a foregone conclusion. But I, I don't want him to be bad. Like, I still want him to be a really good football player. And so I'm concerned. I mean, for, for, for all these, for Zadarius too. I don't expect Zadarius to repeat what he did. I hope he does. As I've said, that would make him easily one of the best pass rushers in football. I mean, not just like fleeting for a year. I'm talking about like in football, period. Like, you just you you put them in the same conversation. Yeah, there's Aaron Donald, there's Khalil, there's Von Miller, there's Zadarius, there's the Watts, there's the Bosas, there's Miles. G- I mean, he's just he's just there. He's just with those guys. But if there's regression, to what extent? Right? I'm not expecting you to be as good, but I really hope you aren't. You know, like really falling off. So again, it's just it's good to see Preston still out there winning some stuff. And then a bunch of notes on Rashawn from Saturday. Gary with a false start, not great. Uh, Gary wins versus Light as Light tries to hold on for dear life. Rashawn Gary blows by Billy Turner in 11-on-11s. Aaron Rodgers has to step up to avoid a sack. From yesterday, some fantastic notes. Rashawn Gary with two absolute fire reps against Leglue. I hate saying that sentence, but I'll say it. I'll read it as it was written. Offensive line had a good day in one-on-ones, but Rashawn Gary closed drill with two really strong rushes off the edge. Then it says Rashawn Gary had three really strong rushes to start the last team. Guy is going to be a problem for opponents. Next note says, in red zone, Rashawn Gary has been an army of one. Then we got Rashawn Gary explodes through the line for a tackle for a loss on Williams. And then a quote from Matt LaFleur after the fact says, LaFleur thanks defensive staff for getting Rashawn Gary in a better position to, quote, make disruptive plays this season, unquote, requote. He definitely has the physical ability. For him, it's just a matter of, it's just going to be a matter of, I feel like a broken record saying this, but just consistency. Again, that's his thing. And, and also, I didn't really care for that quote as much either. I mean, I, I get it, and it makes sense, and it's fine because we have other edge rushers, but when you're talking about a number 12 overall pick, and then you got coaches saying, we're trying to get him in a position where he can succeed, I mean, would that sentence even make sense in the context of Zadarius Smith? It doesn't matter where you put him, he's going to succeed, because he's a dominant freak, and that's what Rashawn Gary is supposed to be. So I don't mind if it's like, while we're in his development phase, which needs to end quickly. I mean, I don't mind babying a guy through the first year, but by second year, if you're the 12th overall pick, let's let's get it together here. Which is which is why I don't really care for the sentence, but it is what it is. Like, you know, I don't want him to be just a situational pass rusher. Like, well, we're going to put him in this situation, uh, you know, in this position on these downs and tell him to use this technique because he's really good in those situations with this one technique. No, I put you wherever I want, and you beat whoever's in front of you with whatever I tell you to do. And I expect you to win, because you're a freak, and that's why we drafted you. But, you know, I'll take it. If if, if, if we're going to use him situationally for now, and he's dominant, great. But we better really start to open things up with him pretty quickly. Because he's got the talent, too. I don't know. We'll see. It's just, it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that quote, but it wasn't my favorite quote. I do like the part about disruptive plays. I just... You know, wish it didn't have to be so narrow. 
Uh, a little bit from Jonathan Garvin. Uh, Saturday he blew up LeGlue, which for whatever that's worth. Yesterday he again blew up LeGlue, so Gar- Garvin is single-handedly going to push LeGlue off this team. Wish LeGlue was a little bit more sticky. <laughs> Oh, a couple more notes from yesterday. Jonathan Garvin busted through for a would-be sack. Jonathan Garvin knifes through and bats down a Jordan Love pass Dikembe style. Had quite a few notes yesterday on Randy Ramsey. Ramsey with two nice reps for Zach Johnson. Ramsey with a nice stop in zone coverage on a crosser to MVS. Ramsey with a pressure on Love now. Randy Ramsey had a fantastic day today. Just stopped A.J. Dillon in the hole for no gain. So it's it's cool. First of all, there's a wide-open competition behind um Rashawn Gary and it's there's so many notes about so many guys Tim Williams Tipigalea and now Randy Ramsey and the cool thing about Randy Ramsey is that he won in a lot of different ways he blew up AJ Dillon starting running back in the run game he stopped MVS on a crosser in coverage and he got a pressure on love and he beat Zach Johnson who you know again not that big of a deal but he won twice as a pass rusher once as a run defender and once in coverage. That's going to be pretty essential, especially if we're talking about depth. How many ways can you help us? Um, Tim Williams, nothing Saturday, but yesterday, a couple notes. Tim Williams with a win versus Billy Turner. Good battle for both uh, on both reps. Tim Williams gets in on a sack versus Love. And then Tipigalea, who's been really on fire the last several days. From Saturday, uh, Tippa smokes Zach Johnson with a beautiful inside move. Tippa wins in the second rep impressively, too. Tippa Galea might need to face better competition in one-on-ones, which is always a great note to see. Then from yesterday, uh, Galea looked good again versus Zach Johnson. Tippa has looked fantastic in one-on-ones. And then Tippa Galea looks a little shaken up, but trying to work through it. So you don't want to see that because, again, in a heated competition like this, the coaches are trying to figure out how to decipher who to keep and who to drop. And if you twist your ankle... That's just an automatic, like, well, that makes my decision easy. So hopefully he's doing fine. Finally, Delonte Scott, who's trying to stay relevant on Saturday. A beautiful shed by Delonte Scott on Lucas Patrick. He's an undrafted free agent to keep an eye on. Unfortunately, after about three solid days from him, nothing from him yesterday. Uh, Linebacker, it's all been about Kamal Martin. Um, It had been about Christian Kirksey for some time. But uh, the only linebacker note from yesterday was, actually it was just a quote from Matt LaFleur, so it wasn't even anything on the field. But he singled out Kamal Martin, said he's a long athletic guy, very intelligent, he works hard at it. Then yesterday at camp, we had all these notes. Kamal Martin just flattened Josiah DeGuara, who was lead blocker at fullback. Next note says, Kamal Martin is having another good day. Uh, Kamal Martin knifes through for a huge hit and about a three-yard loss, one of the best plays of camp. Next note says, Kamal Martin just detonated someone, gets up yelling, guy is having a strong day of practice. Next note says, don't be surprised if Packers find a way to get rookie inside linebacker Kamal Martin on the field somehow, some way. He's had two straight days of big opportunities, and he's delivered. And then Matt LaFleur from him says he has a high ceiling. He's been as impressive as any rookie on the roster. So I was about as low on Kamal Martin as anybody that we draft. I didn't really see anything from him at Minnesota, but very excited to see this. And the fact that Matt LaFleur keeps calling him athletic is is surprising to me, but Hey, I will absolutely take it. A couple other notes from yesterday. Christian Kirksey with a stop for a short gain on Jamal Williams, so he's still keeping that streak alive of, of at least producing in some capacity. Oren Burks and Ty Summers also actually got on the board, which is the linebackers are starting to wake up. It was all Christian Kirksey. Then we start hearing from the coaches it's a wide-open competition, and here comes Kamal Martin, Ty Summers, and Oren Burks suddenly making, making headway. Uh, the note from Oren Burks, a great run stop by Oren Burks on A.J. Dillon on a toss, one of the better plays I've seen from Oren. Next note says, now he does it again on, on, on the other sideline, showing off some sideline-to-sideline side speed and good instincts. Two back-to-back plays from Oren. Love to see it. Now, Oren Burks is, if, if the Packers could handpick someone to be the guy, they wanted to be Oren. He was a third-round pick. 
He's got tons of athleticism. He's got sideline to sideline speed, much better coverage ability. So they would love for him to, to step up and be more consistent like this, especially if some of his notes are bringing down guys like A.J. Dillon. That's fantastic. And then Ty Summers brings down Dillon uh, after a check down from Love. So again, it's it's that's something else to keep in mind. We've got two pretty small guys that have consistently brought down A.J. Dillon. Now he's smoking some people, but uh, he's not impossible to bring down. we got some of our smaller guys bringing him down seemingly pretty easily. So that's it's just one of those things. He can be powerful, but it, it's not just automatic just because of who he is. Uh, cornerback. I gotta get going. Fortunately, we're almost done. Uh, from Saturday, Jair has been doing footwork drills by himself. Not really sure what the ailment is, but obviously it's not that big of a deal. He's doing some pretty physical, athletic type stuff. Uh, Kevin King, nothing from Saturday, but yesterday. Kevin King versus Devontae Adams. Kind of mentioned it already, but it's it's pretty close to 50-50 with those two. I think the first, so out of, what was it? The first and third rep actually did go to Kevin King. So he won two out of three. I don't know if there was more than three, but those are the three that I saw. And then the other note, Kevin King closes fast on the outside to stop a run. He's always been actually very good at that. It's maybe somewhat of an underrated quality of his is just knifing through and just coming out of nowhere and blowing people up. I've always thought that was maybe part of the problem with his shoulders is the fact that he's just such a violent tackler. Could just be making that up, but it's possible. Uh, Chandon Sullivan on Saturday had a note, uh, had it had a potential sack. So not exactly what you're looking for. Two days, no notes as far as him in coverage. But you got that's something else to consider. If, if we're going to be putting him in the slot, he's probably going to need some practice at that because they're going to want to bring him, which is kind of unfortunate that Josh Jackson hasn't really panned out, and we'll see how that develops over time. But remember, Jair Alexander is a very, very good slot corner. That's kind of what we thought he was going to be when we drafted him, especially with Kevin King and Josh Jackson. We figured, okay, so we got two second-round picks on the boundary. We'll put Jair on the slot. Maybe in two cornerback sets, we'll put Jair on the outside, whatever. And that may happen at some point. I'm not saying it's impossible if Josh Jackson can really continue to step up and be that dominant. That might be the best three cornerbacks on the field to have King and, and Jackson on the outside, especially if you face some of those teams whose best wide receiver is a slot guy, which is several teams in the NFL. Uh, I'm trying to think. It used to be the case with Seattle. I don't think it is anymore. But anyways, there are teams out there. The reason I say that is, is coming on a blitz, Jair would be just dominant with that. Uh, Josh Jackson continuing some pretty solid stuff. Uh, from Saturday, strong rep from Josh Jackson versus EQ ends one-on-ones. Josh Jackson with a nice pass breakup on Equinemia. Rodgers wanted Devontae deep, but good coverage from Jackson makes him check it down to Jones. Uh, quote from LaFleur on Saturday, Packers on uh, Josh Jackson. Quote, he's competing. For him, it's just doing it on a consistent basis. There's that thing again. He has to stack those good practices. The more he can do, the more he'll just, uh, the more trust he'll get, and hopefully that translates to game day. From yesterday, Josh Jackson, a great breakup on the ball from EQ, so he's just beating up on equanimity. Josh Jackson's having a day at camp. Just had an ultra-tight coverage on Irvin. Pass falls incomplete. Josh Jackson showing up again on another pass breakup, this time in the end zone. Had a chance to pick it. Packers' Josh Jackson said he's been focusing on just cornerback throughout the offseason and camp. We kind of knew that. Um, and again, this is, oh, I don't know, I've bragged about it enough, but it's important that they do this, and they're finally doing it, and I'm very excited. Because remember, it wasn't just that they were putting him in the slot. They had him playing safety. They had him playing linebacker. They had him in the slot, and they had him on the boundary. Pretty much every position you could put the guy at, they were putting him at. And that just doesn't make sense. Um, Kadar Holman, first note says, Rogers incomplete to, K- to Kumaro. This is from Saturday along the sideline. Holman in coverage. Yesterday, nice coverage by Kadar Holman on Devontae Adams. Ball over the middle falls incomplete. The next note says, Devontae Adams drawing Kadar Holman in coverage is dot, 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 a mismatch. 
So, obviously, he at least had one good rep against Devontae, but other than that, was getting beat up pretty bad, which is kind of what I'm talking about. Some When I mentioned Kevin King kind of being on the same level, a lot of people are excited about Kadar Holman and his potential and whatnot. Kadar Holman is not a starting cornerback. It's not impossible that someday he becomes one, but it's it's very unlikely, and I don't think it's really ever going to happen. He's a guy that maybe in a pinch you put out there and he can do some stuff, but the fact that you put him out there with Devontae and everyone's just like, oh, that's ugly, just stop it, stop it. It just tells you everything you need to know, because if he goes out on the field, he's going to be going up against Devontae-type guys. Actual, professional, starting wide receivers. Maybe not quite Devontae caliber, but very good wide receivers, and I don't know if he can hang with that. Um, Stanford Samuels from Saturday. Keep an eye on Stanford Samuels. With Jair out today, Packers cornerback Stanford Samuels had a good co- had good coverage against Devontae Adams down the left sideline. Really good ball from Aaron Rodgers, but Samuels forced a tough catch. Adams couldn't hold on. Nice rep for the young cornerback. Finally, one note from yesterday on Will Sunderland. Uh, Sunderland with a nice tackle for a loss on Dexter Williams. Great fill by the rookie. So I'm guessing he shot behind the line. Otherwise, they moved him to defensive line. Or I'm just very confused. I don't know. Pretty sure he's a corner. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Not going to make the team. There were zero safety notes from Saturday, but yesterday, Adrian Amos, um, he did come back. No notes as far as his play, but he's back from the uh, funeral. Uh, Will Redmond yesterday forced a fumble on fullback John Lovett. And then Henry Black, who is somebody that I didn't know existed, had two notes. Boyle to Bagleton in the end zone, but Henry Black makes a nice leaping pass breakup. Next note, Black makes a run stop on the next play. Nice back-to-back plays by him. So, fighting for that uh, practice squad spot. And then finally, special teams, Mason Crosby hit all seven field goal attempts on uh, for yesterday. And then the fuzzy math. It says, Mason Crosby nails all seven field goals and is 29 for 31 so far in camp. I don't know if there's actually any official stuff, but uh, whoever wrote that has been keeping some, has been keeping a tally chart. It says he's 29 of 31, which is fantastic for Crosby. Glad he's still a Packer. But anyways, I got to get going here. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. More training camp today, so we'll have more of that tomorrow. I'll talk to you then. Have a good one.